Hey guys, I'm Caleb Hickson, the college director here at the Paradox Church, and in today's episode, I'm joined by Jay White and Coleman Maxwell as we do part two of Ethnic Conciliation. All right, guys, thanks so much for joining us. In studio with me this week is Jay White and Coleman Maxwell. Welcome, gentlemen. Glad to have you. What up, what up? What's going on, Caleb? How you doing, man? I'm doing great, Jay. Thanks. It's good to have you. It's your first time on the podcast. How's it feel? First time, man. Thanks for having me. Well, good. I'm glad. I'm glad. I, I love the fact that you guys would, would come and join us as we continue the conversation in ethnic conciliation. Uh, just for our listeners' sake, would you guys just take a quick minute, Coleman, why don't you start and, and remind everybody who you are and why you're here? Yeah, what up, what up? This is your boy, Coleman Maxwell. Um, man, I'm a partner here at the Paradox Church. I love being amongst my people. Uh, my wife and I have been a part of this church community since 2013, and so it's been good. And so, man, I'm, I'm here in the mix because, man, these conversations are important, and I'm appreciative that my community um, just wants to hear from me just as a black man, uh, you know, black christian as well and so uh yeah man that's why i'm glad to be in the mix and dude i will affirm the fact that our community wants to hear from you because our last ethnic conciliation podcast blew up and it was great and so i'm i'm really grateful that you'd be willing to hop back on with us again and that you brought jay white with you jay yes sir you and i have been friends for a while but why don't you introduce uh everybody to yourself yeah uh so i'm jay white a partner here at the paradox church since 2016 uh, originally from Mississippi, so uh, deep south country boy. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, once you ask me, you know, if I would be a part of this conversation on ethnic conciliation and just my experiences uh, as a black Christian in America, uh, here living in Fort Worth now, um, I couldn't turn that down. So yeah, thanks for having me. Dude, I'm so glad that you are. Uh, it really is an honor to have you guys both on this and to be able to be a part of these conversations. I feel very honored. So thank you guys for letting me be a part of it. Uh, since our first podcast that we did, since Coleman and I's first podcast, we have experienced something like I've never seen in our country <laughs> in my lifetime. Uh, <laughs> with with George Floyd's uh, death and then the the country's reaction and response to that uh it has just been this tidal wave of momentum that i feel like we're finally starting to make in this incredibly important conversation uh and so and so i I wanted to bring you guys back on the podcast just because i I could not continue this conversation given what has happened and what's transpired since our first podcast where we kind of laid a groundwork laid a foundation for the the term ethnic conciliation so again if you haven't listened to the first podcast uh, we we are using the phrase ethnic conciliation in uh, place of the term race racial reconciliation, not because racial reconciliation is necessarily bad, but but because ethnic conciliation is just a better term to use. Racial reconciliation mm-hmm. uh, makes it seem as though there are more than one race in in the world, where we we know the Bible views humanity as one race, and and then the reconciliation makes it seem like that there was a time in which we had ever been conciled, and so now we must get back to that time when we know again just by looking at our history books. Hmm. <laughs> Humanity has always been just in intention. That's right. Uh, and so, so the term ethnic conciliation, I think, is just a better term that we we can use. It's one that D. A. Horton has coined in his book Intentional, which is a great, great resource yes. if you guys want to want to hit that book up. 
Uh, I, I highly recommend it. Uh, and so we're, we're just trying to continue this conversation on ethnic conciliation uh, in light of uh, what's, what's going on currently in our country. Uh, but before we, we jump too much into the details, Jay, why don't you just kind of talk on your experience uh, growing up in Mississippi <laughs> with, with, this, with this conversation and, and, and you being a, a black man? Okay. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, firstly, growing up in Mississippi, we all know, uh, or if you don't know, you know, Mississippi has a very, very rich history of uh, racism and, sure. and white supremacy that is still, you know, ever present today. I mean, sure. even on the Mississippi state flag, um, there's a part of that Confederate banner that's still there. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, so growing up in Mississippi, you know, my, my parents and grandparents, uh, they always did a good job of just educating me, mm. um, making sure I was aware of just the history of of the state and things that, you know, had happened and come before me. But my own personal experience, um, you know, I've been called the N-word before. Mm. Uh, we're talking hard E-R, you know, <laughs> N-word. Um, so that's happened to me. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been denied service before. Um and even just to paint the picture of just how bizarre some of this is, you know, there's Charleston High School, you know, in Charleston, Mississippi, that had their first desegregated prom in 2008. Dude. I graduated high school, 2009. Dude. So, wow, dog. Uh, <laughs> so if that doesn't tell you anything, um, just yeah. kind of about how recent and how... Um, how slow it How slow. Been. Yeah. And, oh, gosh. You know, this has always been right at our doorstep, so... Um, yeah, so some of those experiences um, I've kind of I've seen and even in, in high school, um, you know, so I went to public school my whole life. Sure. Um, but my last couple of years of high school, you know, my, my parents thought that it would be a good idea to send me to a private school, which mm. I wasn't too, too happy with at the <laughs> time. Um, but I went, you know, and it was fine. And there were some things uh, just from a resource perspective that you know, we're better just because, sure. I mean, the money that yeah. gets poured into private schools, which yeah. is a whole nother systemic topic yes. that we could talk yes. about. Um, but yeah, I remember uh, 2008 during Obama's, you know, first run as president, mm -hmm. um, regardless of, of what, you know, people may think about as politics um, on the topic of race here. I remember uh, there was an announcement during one of we had these school news sessions sure. kind of every day at the end, yeah. of the end of the day. Um, and I remember the announcement of his, his grandmother passing. Mm. And I remember sitting in class and I had students in, in my classroom uh, when they heard that say, well, that's one less part of the, the N-word that we have to deal with. Hmm. Um, and I also remember uh, when he actually got elected and inaugurated um, that there were kids like in the school like that were yeah. literally crying oh, gosh. that Barack Obama was now the new president yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. based off just color of his skin color of his skin sure. just the racist ideals that sure. continue to just permeate you know mississippi and and a lot of american society so yeah that's 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 awful man that's that's terrible though i mean and, and so i've never i've not lived in mississippi uh i've spent most of my life here in texas um but i i think the important thing to to note about why I feel like this is an important topic to talk about is because there are there are a lot of people who uh, who don't think that racism is a real problem in America because they don't see it 
right? So, so a lot of people don't see racism happening or they're, they're not a, a direct recipient of racism. And so then when you begin to talk about this, they're like, what are you talking about racism? This is America. It's 2020. We, we had segregation dealt with back in the 60s. Like, we're good. <laughs> and then you hear about prom in Mississippi. <laughs> yeah. There's being a, segregated all the way until 2008. And there's you, a documentary on that too for those oh, sure, for the yeah. listeners that want to check so. it out. It's called Prom Night in Mississippi. Oh, wow. Is that on Netflix? It's not on Netflix. Oh. It, it may be uh, on Prime. Okay. Yeah. Prom Night in Mississippi. Yeah, so so there there's the the thought at least on some level that I think a lot of people hold to which is racism isn't that big of a deal in America. And yet I think that that thought is is a is one that's based on just the lens in which you view America. And if you are viewing America through a white lens, then of course you don't think racism is a problem because you're not a recipient of it. Absolutely, you, you, you don't see it. But when you when you have these conversations, I think I always want to give an opportunity, a platform for you guys to share these things because I want people to see and hear yeah. that it is a, an issue. <clears throat> this has not gone away. And we are still dealing with the ramifications of this today. Now, now, what about if somebody were to say, that's just a Mississippi problem, Jay. <laughs> that's just because you, you grew up in Mississippi. We don't, this is Fort Worth, and we are accepting Texas. We're, we're, not, we're not like Mississippi. Have you, have you had any experiences here in Fort Worth? Well, before I get to the Fort Worth, speaking of, of Texas, you know, yeah. Texas is still the South, and we all know what happened in Jasper, Texas, too. Yeah. Mm. You know, oh, um, man, which was in, you know, which hasn't been too many years ago as well. So, um, so I mean, there's a rich history of just America. Sure. Um, you know, all 50 states mm-hmm. where, where racism has been prevalent because Absolutely. that's just the foundation. Yeah. Um, but here in Fort Worth, yeah, I've had um, personal experiences. I've been followed before. I've been stopped before. Um, I've even been accused and associated of, of being uh, involved in, in gang activity before. Um, <laughs> and I was denied entry uh, to, to a bar um, wow. before just based off of an assumption alone, you know. Yeah. Um, nothing in my, my words, nothing in my actions led, should have led anyone sure. to believe that I had any association with the gang. But, sure. um, yeah, I was, I was out one night and um, the bouncer took a look at my ID, questioned the authenticity of my mm. ID, tried to break my ID oh, gosh. Um, and then had me escorted off premises by yeah. a police officer because the associ- the assumption of the association sure. of me being gang related. It's so awful. I don't know what that means, but yeah, so that's an example. Um, I've also been out with, you know, Coleman and, and yeah. a group of other friends, you know, um, just kind of awaiting entry to, to an establishment. And um, we were told there was a capacity you know mm-hmm. and then we continue to see 10 and then 20 people leave you yeah. know um which should have freed up that capacity you would think but, one would think but yep. yet you know we, we still were still were denied uh entry for whatever reason mm-hmm. and um yeah those situations got a little heated um got a little confrontational but those are just some some real time real world sure 20 you know 17 18 sure um, <laughs> examples yeah. of, of things that have happened yeah. um, in my life. So here in Fort Worth, not right. just Mississippi. Right. Yeah, and again, I think these are so important to hear because you, if you, if you hold to the mindset that racism isn't a thing in America, 
that's that's just because you're seeing America through your your lens. Yeah. And and one of the things that my hope is for these podcasts and then hopefully for for you as a listener moving forward is that you would begin to have some of these conversations so that you can start to broaden your view of what's actually happening in our culture and society and not just the the narrow uh, lens in which you see the world today. Um, and so on that topic, man, I, I, I'm interested to hear from you you guys both uh, on the the scenario of George Floyd, the situation that has unfolded over the last couple of weeks and just mm-hmm. how you responded to that. What, what was what was that like going through that? And, and then just now where we are at with the protests, with everything going on. Mm-hmm. So Jay, do you want to you want to take that one first? Yeah. Yeah. I'll lead it off. Um, man, it's. These are things um, from, you know, from my lens of being, you know, a black dude. Yeah. You know, here in America, these are things that, you know, I've been aware of. Um, I've seen um, I've heard about, you know, my whole life. Um, and I think the George Floyd situation for a lot of people um, was kind of the tipping point because it left no room for justification. Sure. Yeah. Um, and on top of that, you know, us already being in COVID-19 season. Mm-hmm. Um, no, no one has anywhere to go, anything to do. <laughs> yeah. So you're kind of forced to deal with absolutely whatever's yeah. like yeah. in your face. And on top of that, you know, we're not too far removed from Ahmaud Arbery, right. um, then Breonna Taylor, mm-hmm. um, and now George Floyd. So mm-hmm. um, I think the George Floyd situation was kind of the tipping point of things that were already festering and brewing. Sure. Um, and that video, it was heartbreaking, man. Um, you know, I cried when I watched it to, to see a man um, just that mm. powerless yeah. and uh, plead for his life. And, you know, the ho- most heartbreaking part of all of that was just how he called for his mom, who's, right. you know, been dead for two years. So right. um, that moment in and of itself, you know, th- I would say, you know, a lot of people, but especially, you know, from my lens, just in the black culture, like mama, mama and grandmama, that, that yeah. mean, mean a lot, yeah. you know. Um, so to see 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 him like plead for his mom, in that sense of desperation and helplessness was just heartbreaking. Absolutely, you know, um, yeah. Because sometimes you know, even me today, you know, as a twenty nine year old man, uh, sometimes you just need mama to tell you everything's going to be okay. Yeah, you know, sure. and that moment, you know, he was looking for his mom to tell him everything's going to be okay. Sure, for a sense of comfort. Um, sure, because I, I would I would argue that he knew. Um, what was happening to him? Yeah. Um, I mean, he even said it. They're killing me. Yeah. Um, I'm dying. Yeah. Um, everything hurts. Um, yeah. So his body was going into shock. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was heartbreaking. You know, it was a full range of emotions of sadness. You know, um, frustration, anger, everything. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it was really heartbreaking. So, and regardless of of what transpired uh, before that video, I think what we saw for that moment on that video, like said it all. Sure. Um, and the reason they were there, you know, for forgery, a yeah. bad check, you know, yeah. um, that's not a deadly crime. No. That's um, a minimal offense. Oh, a misdemeanor. Um, I don't know, maybe not misdemeanor. I'm not a, <laughs> I, I'll let Preston Pittman speak to the yeah. Yeah. Um, over here. But yeah, man, that, that was just, uh, and then in that moment, you know, he wasn't resisting arrest. He was already handcuffed. Yeah. He was already laying on his stomach. He yeah. was subdued. He had nowhere to go, nothing to do. So, um, to just see that blatant display of and disregard of human of, life. of human life, Absolutely. you know, um, 
and we all sat there and watched the life get sucked out mm-hmm. of him mm-hmm. um was was just heartbreaking and just how casual it was mm-hmm. with everyone standing there watching with well, bystanders pleading, pleading like absolutely. hey stop hey he's not doing anything he stopped right. moving like he's not doing anything so that was just hard to watch man and um like i said these are things that you know i've always seen and i've always been aware of and um but i think for the masses this was probably and it sucks because it took something like this right. for people to be like oh, okay like now something is really wrong mm-hmm. um but you know i think this was one of the first ones that it really really shocked a lot of people because yeah. we saw his life leave his body in that moment yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that was just hard. Yeah. And, and just to, to kind of like go off what you're saying too, I think why this is such a huge deal in America is, is we don't have any distractions now, like Mm -hmm. with, with quarantine, with COVID that we, we don't have sports to take our mind off this. We don't have, we we don't have going out to take our mind off it. We, we are forced to face the reality and the injustice and the pure evil that it is to 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 leave your knee on someone's neck for eight minutes and forty six seconds casually casually while while you as not just as a not just as a person but but as a police officer mm-hmm. who is the authority in this situation to casually s- kneel on someone as they as they die. Yeah, and I think for for a lot of people too, um, and and, I, and I'm aware, you know, there there's definitely good officers out there that I yes, respect absolutely. and love and have deep, deep relationships with. Um, I think for a lot of people, you know, the hard thing, you know, when we hear the things, you know, not all officers are bad. Right. Um, there are four officers there and not one of those officers. Yes said anything now of course i don't know what the chain of command was with who was who and right who was in charge but still not one of those officers had a sense of integrity mm-hmm. to say hey like we've done our job here let's get them up and get them in the car and let yes. you know the the wheels of justice turn you know since so many people trust in in yeah. the court system then yeah. let the courts which in and of itself yeah. is a whole another <laughs> yeah yeah we can get there so <laughs> But he didn't even have that opportunity or that chance. Gosh. And, and no one spoke up for him. So the fact that even amongst, you know, the police officer and law enforcement community, that it's a shock whenever we do see mm-hmm. an officer speak up or mm-hmm. say something like that shouldn't be a shock. That should be automatic that, you know, the good officers speak up or speak out against right. these types of injustices and right. things. So the fact that that is a shock or a surprise when it happens just shows, you know, how much and how long you know this has been going on and that's crazy um, but it's a it's a a really messy scenario man it's heartbreaking yeah it is it it for sure is coleman what do you what were your thoughts man when you saw the video yeah man i was devastated and not surprised and kind of desensitized Hmm. to it yeah because it was just you know a couple weeks before that the amard arbery scenario had happened right and and then here we are again and so I just had this immediate reaction of like, boy, here we go again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was it was tough for me, man. I watched the whole thing and just kind of like what the big homie Jay was saying, uh, when he was on the ground under that officer's knee and he got to the point where he said, mama, it broke my heart. 
Yeah. Because, um, yeah, when you get to that point in desperation, where you, I mean, he's a grown man and he called out for his mama. Yeah. Um, that's how you know it, it has gotten bad. And mm-hmm. he, he is experiencing something um, that is beyond his control. And, and so, you know, it was Jay who, who told me, I didn't know this until Jay told me this, that his, his mother has already been passed. Wow. And so the, the fact that, oh, man, it just brought more weight to it. So um, I don't know, man. It, it jacked me up. Sure. So. Yeah, and, and rightfully so. And I think we've seen that it has jacked our culture up, too. Yeah. And and we, we have seen since George Floyd's death a, a, a tremendous response within our culture, which is, is um, I think, is applaudable. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm... I'm grateful and glad that we have had this response to it because we've had far too many of these videos that have just been another name on the list Mm -hmm. of black men and women who have been murdered by the hands of the police officers right um and so man uh i'm I'm curious you guys just like speaking to the movement that we've had the protest all all of that stuff um like that we've seen over the last couple of weeks yep. your your thoughts with those is, is it encouraging is this uh w- yeah where, where are you at with it yeah um you know it's encouraging to see um you know but there i'll be honest in saying there's a part of like uh, kind of about time <laughs> right you know um you know the, like i said these are conversations and, and things that i've tried to talk about yeah you know my whole life but i've always been met with resistance right um rebuttal mm-hmm. um or apathy mm-hmm. um and you know it's finally and it sucks that it took this for these conversations to happen man over the last three weeks my phone has never rang wow been blown up as much as it has in my whole life wow um <laughs> from from so many people reaching out to me like hey apologizing or calling to check in or uh and i and i, and I know like you know, for some, like, that comes from, from a good place of yeah. just care and trying to figure out what to do. Um, but once again, to my point of, you know, you know, this has always been here, but nobody's, like, really felt the need to sure. to step into that with me until, sure. until now. And, you know, these are things that I've, I've carried my whole life. But it's, um, you know, it's encouraging to see, and I just hope it's not just a moment. Yeah. You know, I hope we can look up, you know six months from now, a year from now, six years from now, and continue um, to just fight for justice and fight for change. You know, it's kind of hard to, to, you know, reform and change 400 years of history in, right. in three weeks, Yeah, you know, in, yeah. in six months. You know, it's going to take a while. So mm-hmm. um, I hope, you know, that that people continue to, to just educate themselves and, and don't grow weary or, sure. or tired of sure. – um, being in that that fight for justice and you know it's it's cool to see you know the social media posts and you know the outpour of support and those mm-hmm. things but once again just like you know this is a this is a long road it's sure um gonna be a messy road it's mm-hmm. um it's gonna cost people something mm-hmm. um there's a sense of sacrifice um a sense of stepping into some discomfort um that, that comes with that um but i just hope people are, are really ready and, and you know about that action to just kind of just to stay in that right you know and, and don't cower at, cower down or, or or bow out you know when when the going gets tough because yeah. this is just the beginning yeah hey, Coleman, what do you think like how how do you what would you encourage 
specifically like a TCU student, because that's who our target demographic is with this podcast, uh, what would you encourage them to do so that this isn't just a social media post? Like, how can they make this more than just something that they put on their Twitter or Instagram? I guess TCU students don't use Twitter. What am I talking about? I'm an old man over here. Instagram or TikTok, whatever right. it is. That yeah, I love Twitter, man. Yeah, I, yeah. Too. I love Twitter, hey, too. I'm not going to lie. That's, they, that's us. Yeah. And we're talking about TCU yeah. students. For sure. Uh, man, uh, yeah, first and foremost, I, I would say it's a both and. Yeah. I, I actually appreciate the post um, because I've been seeing the traffic of a lot of um, white folks specifically that have never really um, – put any type of foot in this type of hmm. matter. And so now um, they're talking about it, they're learning stuff, and they're reposting stuff that they're learning so that other friends can pick up on it. Yeah. Uh, but also it is important to practically get involved with, you know, minority organizations on campus, like, yeah. you know, the Black Student Association, you know what I mean? Um, there's just a lot of uh, organizations on campus that I think can help aid our um, brothers and sisters from the majority culture yeah. um, in this fight that we're trying to do, even on TCU campus, as far as unity, right? Right. Um, or, you know, we the people in order to form a more perfect union. Yeah. So I think practically, man, I think you have to get out of your comfort zone and start building relationships with other students that you normally wouldn't, you know, students that are a different ethnicity, you know, um, those are practical things. And, and you, you listen, you pull a seat up to their table mm -hmm. and, and you, you try to wrap your mind around their culture and, and the things that they've experienced. All these things, I think, are a culmination of um, ethnic conciliation. Um, and so I'm a man of simple formulas. Uh, simple solutions and so I think it would be a detriment to give a laundry list of yeah. mm -hmm. practical step uh, of steps um, when it when it's already hard for right. uh, folks within the majority culture to have legitimate intentional relationships um, cross-culturally yeah. right yep. with, yeah. with someone of a different ethnicity so um, I think those are some practical things for our TCU students to uh, take heed to yeah. And to quick piggyback off what Coleman just said, um, with the both and, you know, um, even with, you know, the social media postings, you know, uh, some people um, within the majority culture may, uh, so me posting something, you know, as it regards to justice or racism, some people may write that off yeah. because right. I'm black and, oh, well, of course he feels that yeah, way. We he's, expect him to do he, that. He's, he's black. Mm -hmm. um, some, But sometimes I think for, for someone from the majority culture, uh, to post things or to advocate for things, um, other people within that same culture may may look at that differently hmm. um, versus it coming from me. Yeah. Because you know, like, as I've been talking about this my whole life, and right? Nobody's heard me. So yeah. Um, so now that we have our, our white allies um, walking alongside us that are um, fighting for the same thing, I think it's it doesn't leave as much room for people to to ignore it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. What What do you guys think on just like um, the idea and concept of boosting black voices and not being the white savior on social media? Like, is there anything, any any cautionary tales you would you would uh, you know give to our listeners ab about how to uh, properly conduct themselves on social media or in 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 conversations with other people in this in this regard? 
Absolutely. I mean, first and foremost, even just, just from a, a biblical worldview, a biblical perspective, uh, we want to take heed to, to, to what James was talking about, right? Um, and being slow to speak, yeah. you know, saying slow to listen. Uh, I mean, slow to speak, quick to quick listen, to listen yeah. slow to anger. Yes. You know what I mean? Yo, those are important principles um, that we can utilize in regards to posting, right? Yeah. Posting and reading stuff. And so what I'm not saying is don't post. Right. But what I'm saying is, man, man, have be, be cautious about how you do it, but also, man, be self-controlled as well. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah. Because, yeah, there's a... I think there's an ugliness um, and a self-righteousness that can come out of some of this as well. And um, as much as we talk about the, the, the implicit bias or just kind of the, the blatant racism, I think there's another extreme of that where um, you get some people that, that think they're, they're so progressive and they Mm -hmm. have it all figured out Mm -hmm. that they're not willing to to listen or continue to educate themselves because, Oh, I went on a mission trip one time to Africa and, I took a picture with a black baby and oh, yeah. like I have a black friend and mm-hmm. I've never done this or I've never done that. So I'm good. There's nothing left for me to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that we have to make sure that we're, we're cautioning that as well. So yeah. Um, yeah, we, we all, you know, have to continue to grow and, and develop and learn. And I think there's always something to learn. Yeah. Uh, yep. So in that, in that context, so there's, there can be this ugliness of, oh, I've done this, I've done that, I've done this, you know, I have it all figured out. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm good. Mm-hmm. That's for the those racists over there that mm-hmm. do this and do that. I'm good over here. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think one of my favorite things that I've seen just from a social media standpoint, and obviously social media is not not the gospel. It's, it's, it sure. is a dangerous, dangerous tool, but can also be used for good as well. One of my yep. favorite things that I've seen on social media in regards to this issue is is when people just simply say, listen, I, I hear you, mm-hmm. I see you, and I'm standing with you. It's yeah. not, look, I'm going to tell you all why this is amazing or why this is right or why you should think this way or whatever, but it's it's just an, an acknowledgement of, I see you, I hear you, and I'm, I'm with you. And, and I think I think if we have that posture, you are then able to then go on to, to say more. But I, I, I think you, we, we can't be too quick to move past actually being with our brothers and sisters in this and not just co-opting this movement because it's the sexy thing to do. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's I, that's 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 my, my personal just take on it. And I think that that that's just a, a helpful uh, posture to have in regards to this whole thing, whether on social media or even just in personal relationships, it's, man, let me let me stand with you and let me learn and let me walk with you in this, knowing that, man, this is a marathon. This is a long journey. Oh, yeah. And we're, we're, we can't come in with a sprinter's mentality thinking we're just going to knock it out. Like, we got to be ready for the long haul. Mm-hmm. And being willing to be teachable. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's really important, too. Yeah. Yep. Uh, okay, I want to I want to hit on uh, Black Lives Matter. Let's do it. Uh, because I, I I know that there's um, a lot of conversation around the phrase Black Lives Matter, and I just want to dispel some myths, some rumors, to to our listeners who who might be struggling with the idea of acknowledging that Black Lives Matter. Uh, so so when when you guys hear hear that term. What, how do you receive that? Like, what do you think of when you when you hear that? That's not a problematic statement at all. 
<laughs> it shouldn't be. Right. Um, yeah, because that's it's just a fact. They matter too. You know, we're not saying they matter more right. or uh, or anything like that. They just they matter. Just at a, at a base uh, principle, like yes. Black Lives Matter. Period. Yes. Biblically. You know, biblically. Absolutely. Like, they matter. Yes. So why is that in conflict with anything? Why is that an issue? Absolutely. So just to piggyback off of Jay, man, uh, yeah, Black Lives Matter, being able to uh, hold firm to the message um, is really key in this moment. And so uh, I think a lot of folks get tied up or paralyzed because they're like, well, I don't know if I'm supposed to, you know, support this, this phrase or this movement because the organization has some nuances to it that I don't understand and and so my my rebuttal is always like well the message has always been bigger than this organization Mm -hmm. right I haven't even looked at the website um, because the website for you know BLM isn't the issue for me you know it's the message and and actually this message has been articulated and screamed by minorities uh for centuries just in different phrases Mm -hmm. right i remember during the civil rights movement one of the phrases was i am a man yes you know and and so uh the point was like we matter right Mm -hmm. you know i mean our lives are valuable Mm -hmm. And, and so um for me um, it's. I think it's important for the masses that are listening to this to understand that there's so much freedom to support the message. Black Lives Matter too. Right. And in regards to ethnic conciliation, D.A. Horton says this. He says, ethnic conciliation is accomplished when we affirm the ethnic heritage of every human being and seek to remove animosity, yeah. distrust, and hostility from our interpersonal relationships yeah. and so from that perspective from we're thinking about ethnic conciliation and this gospel centered perspective then yes uh owning up to the the phrase black lives matter is totally necessary absolutely yep. and so yeah man uh, um i think i think we should worry less about the organization mm-hmm. and more about the the message the overarching message and then allow that to fuel us to further, you know, take further action, mm-hmm. right? So, um, yeah, Black Lives Matter. You know what I mean? It's, it's important, man, and it's, it's bigger than the organization. hundred percent. And and just to, to kind of speak to maybe somebody who would have a hard time with that phrase, somebody who might have a hard time affirming Black Lives Matters without any sort of qualification, um, typically, and I'm going to do a generalization here, mm-hmm. um, but typically... Uh, what I've experienced is people who have a hard time affirming that uh, usually are a little bit more right-leaning conservative mm-hmm. Republicans. Yes. And uh, I apologize if I am over-characterizing it to, to anybody out there, but but usually that's what I've seen in my life. Yep. And I, the, the point of where I'm going with this is I was actually having a conversation with my father yesterday mm. where my dad is a right-wing Republican from birth to death, he will always vote Republican and he will always be conservative and it doesn't matter. And he absolutely voted for Trump. Mm-hmm. He's not ashamed of it. However, he will be the first person to say in any conversation, and he literally said this yesterday, can I not like vote for Trump, support Trump without having to agree with everything he says? And I'm like, yes, you can. Right. Yeah. 
In the same way, I can say Black Lives Matter without having to agree with everything that the organization stands for. That's right. The same logic applies, and, and, and it only becomes a problem mm-hmm. when, when it is, is not your position, when it doesn't accomplish the political ideology that you necessarily may want to see happen. Or, in, I saw somebody say this on, on Twitter, which again, because I'm old, I use Twitter. <laughs> I love Twitter. I do too. Uh, race... Racism is only a complex issue for the racist. <laughs> oh my gosh, bro, that's that's outlandishly bad, right? Like it's only a complex issue if you have some racism in you because you're <sighs> conflicted by your own racism. Yeah, it shouldn't be a complex issue. It is cut and dry, a doctrinal, biblical justice issue. Yep. The Imago Day are. We are image bearers of God, yep. and because of that, God shows no partiality. Right, mm. and therefore, this is not a complicated topic. Right, yeah, it is straightforward that we get to fight for everyone. Yeah, for all image bearers. One thousand. Yeah, we get to fight for ethnic conciliation with everyone. And I think that's one of the hard hard reasons for a lot of people to you know acknowledge you yeah. know racism it's because you know we always talk about it or it's been taught to be believed in like very very overt forms you mm-hmm. know the n-word the ku klux klan all these right. things so um it's a lot more broad than that yes um and i think when when people bring up topics of racism and say like hey this is racist, this is racist, this is racist. When you say this, when you do this, um, whether intentionally or unintentionally, yeah. it's very racist. I think to that person, sometimes they, they, in their mind, may register, well, I do or I partake in mm-hmm. some of those actions, mm-hmm. so therefore you're calling me a racist. I'm not racist. Like, yes. How dare you call me a racist? So there's this defensiveness that happens Absolutely. with that. Because a, no, go ahead, go ahead. To, to acknowledge it means that now I have to be responsible and held accountable yeah. to it, and nobody wants that. Yeah. There is a there is a fear, a legitimate fear, especially among white Americans, of being labeled a racist because of the way in which we have made it into this binary topic of racist means you are the grandmaster of the Ku Klux Klan. Mm-hmm. When in reality, we, we know that, that just like all sin, racism is a sliding scale of varying degrees, and you can... You can have racism in your heart without being a full-blown racist who's wanting to kill all everyone who doesn't look like you, right? Yeah. Right? And so we've got to be able to and Jim Jim preached on this this Sunday. If if yep. you guys are listening and you didn't hear the sermon from June 12th, you got to go listen to it. Pastor Jim did a great job of preaching on this actual topic. We've got to be able to destigmatize the confession of racism as a sin because if we do not if we don't destigmatize that, then when sin goes left unchecked, when sin is is left unconfessed in your heart, then it you're you're allowing for the breeding grounds of that sin to grow Absolutely. In, into more than it than it than it could have been when it, when we don't bring it to light. Yeah. And when it goes unchecked and it grows and it and it and it becomes something that you can't confess and something that you cannot own up to, it grows itself into a systemic problem, which we have seen in America, that systemic racism has 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 uh, infested our society. Yeah. Yep. So, man, Jay, talk talk a little bit just about systemic racism, maybe necessarily what it is, or or just like how how you view it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, 
systemic racism, obviously, like one of the root words there is system. Mm. Um, so when you think about the, the foundation of, of the Ameri- American society, um, you know, we weren't, when I say we, I mean black folks, yeah. um, weren't meant to be here. Yeah. You know, we, went, we weren't meant to, to have a sustainable life here. Um, we weren't meant to have the rights and the dignities and the freedoms of, of, of those that, um, I don't want to say inherited, uh, those that took over yes. um, this country from yes. the Native Americans and drove them out. Correct. Um, so when you think about all these uh, historical documents and, and things that were signed and initiated, mm-hmm. they weren't written with me in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you look at every facet of society, um, you know, from education to healthcare, mm-hmm. uh, to criminal justice, to uh, housing and banking, um, all these things, like every every facet of society, I mean, the very, very things that they were built off of were um, this uh, system of, of white supremacy and, and racism. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just kind of carried itself throughout the years because it's gone unchecked. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, I think in a, in a very real way to make it very personal, um, even studies that have been done by Harvard. Yeah. You know, my real name isn't Jay. So, but I put <laughs> uh, Jay on, on all of my employment information on my resume. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I know based on multiple studies um, by Harvard and Yale and Stanford, et cetera, um, shows that those with more ethnic sounding names get less opportunities and callbacks as it yeah. pertains to jobs. Yeah. So, you know, uh, a Bob Johnson with, certain education qualifications then you get a you know my i'll use my name yeah. J- jeterius white you know with the same education and the mm-hmm. same qualifications mm-hmm. um, i'm less likely to get get a call absolutely um, just based off my name jeterius right um can can lead to some implicit bias like oh that's probably not a white guy yeah which is a, a, an amazing example of the systemic racism in america which again I think if we if we are viewing the term racism as this this um, extreme version of what that can lead to, mm-hmm. it's hard to to agree with the fact that there is a systemic racism problem in America. But if you understand that we're talking about a sliding scale of this sin of showing what what D.A. Horton in his book Intentional would say, the root of racism is the sin of partiality, mm-hmm. showing yeah. partiality. And so if if that's the case, then absolutely. You, you not being able to put your own name down on your application to a job, that the God-given name that you have is a example of systemic racism. Yeah, and even just the, um, just the, the fear-mongering oh, um, gosh, yeah. that, that was done, you know, in, in the slave days, yeah. which was a marketing tool for slavery, you mm-hmm. know, um, if you give them freedom um, and let them go, They'll, you know, rape all the white women and murder all the white men. So yeah. they need slave masters to whip them and keep them under control. I mean, that's those things like have have bred, you know, deep into the roots right. of, of American society. Right. Um, you see it even like subtle ways. People drive through an all black neighborhood. Oh, that's the sketchy part of town. Mm-hmm. Like and those same people will pay thousands of dollars and go to a foreign country a thousand miles from here. Yeah and be fine but yet when they come to their own home and their own yeah. backyard they're scared to drive through one neighborhood because right. it's, it's too sketchy right and they don't know yeah you know so things like that i mean those are forms of, of just that implicit bias mm-hmm. um based off of a lot of that fear or mm-hmm. uh this criminal 
uh, this kind of this criminal thing that's been thrown on, you know, the black community mm-hmm. uh, for whatever reason. And even when you look at uh, this goes to redlining, when yeah. I talked about real estate and just banking, um, a lot of the, you know, quote unquote ghettos or, or hoods yeah. that, that we like to call that was intentional. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, those were sections that were zoned off mm-hmm. and the resources were taken from those sections mm-hmm. to keep certain people groups in certain pockets of yep. society. Yep. Um, you look at a lot of major roadways and highways and mm-hmm. interstates. Um, you know what's on one side of the highway? It's the hood. You know what's on right. the other side? The burbs. Right. I mean, here in Fort Worth, we're downtown right now. Yeah. Right across 35, what you got? You got stop six in the east side. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it's like that, man. Th- those are those are things when it comes to systemic racism that continue to play themselves out today. And, th- and those things are very well documented as well. Absolutely. Th- this is not our opinion. This is not what we drove around and saw. This is based on historical data in Fort Worth that we have have found out and found to be true and, and have then seen it to be true in our current day as well. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just don't want anybody out there thinking like, oh, well, that's your opinion. Fort Worth isn't segregated. It's like, I mean, not legally, no, <laughs> but there have been systems put in place in our own city to keep certain people groups in certain areas of the city there there's the there's a great book i mean it's huge but you can go read it. it's called the history of fort worth in black and white that will lay out all of this for you this is not a uh this is this is not a debate this is just what happened yeah and it's awful yep it's not it's not good yep absolutely so you know when i think about systemic racism um because I noticed quite a quite a bit of people struggle with like I guess defining it, you know. Sure. And so, man, to me, systemic racism, uh, just to put it forward, is um, um, policies um, and rules that have been set in stone um, by racist white folks yeah. uh, to have uh, a certain level of control, mm-hmm. right? And so, a case in point, the Jim Crow laws. Yeah. That is in my mind, the height of an example of systemic racism, yeah. right? Um, so, I mean, if you're not familiar with the Jim Crow laws, which I've been having dialogues with a lot of my white brothers and sisters, and, you know, a lot of them didn't even know that Jim Crow laws was even a thing. And so, Google Jim Crow laws mm-hmm. and uh, just read away, and, and you'll see how systemic racism has played itself out throughout throughout our society through you know um policies and government and stuff like that so yeah and kind of going off of the uh the comment you made jay about just like the misinformation that was used mm-hmm. um uh during the 1800s to 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 continually oppress black people in in the 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 misinformation of oh if they get free then they're going to rape your your white women in the same way that misinformation today is the same tactic that is used uh, to to continue the oppression of black people. My case in point is I just saw I think it was last night Fox News. Uh, this dude uh, I don't forget his first name but something Carlson Tucker Carlson Tucker Carlson, Tucker Carlson <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Tucker Carlson said he he goes off on this rant on Fort Worth because the police chief 
uh, dropped the charges on the people who were protesting and got arrested for quote unquote rioting, even though they were not rioting. Mm-hmm. And they they clarified the the Fort Worth police clarified that. But Tucker Carlson goes on to to say that this mob of people were looting and vandalizing uh, businesses in Fort Worth, and the police chief drops the charges. And he, he's going off on this this whole thing, and it's just, I mean, like, the Fourth PD released a statement today outlining all of the false claims and incorrect statements that he made, uh-huh. one of which being that... Uh, he, he he noted that the Fort Worth School District, Fort Worth Independent School District, said that that uh, policing is a is was based on the idea of white supremacy, mm-hmm. and he he just says like that's totally like what, they don't even know what they're talking about, and he's like going off on the Fort Worth ISD, um, but something that you guys taught me was that policing actually was yes. based yeah. on this. Mm-hmm. So so share, share a little bit about how policing actually was based on this idea of white supremacy. Yeah. So, I mean, originally it goes back to slave patrols. Um, so the original police were to go out and seek, you know, runaway slaves, mm-hmm. um, capture them, bring them back, or kill them, yeah. you know? Um, and I, I think people forget, too, like, that's a one time in history, like, killing a black person publicly was like a family affair. Yeah. That was like a family event that people gathered around to see. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, going back to that and then, uh, you fast forward from those times to, um, Jim Crow and mm-hmm. the civil rights era with, uh, Dr. King, you know, a lot of people like to, to post pictures of Dr. King and his quotes. Sure. And, um, the peaceful, you know, protests oh, that yes. they try to like <laughs> yes. compare to today's yeah, protests. Yeah. Um, Dr. But King was never. He was never. Never. Yeah. Go oh, out. oh, he got arrested for protesting peacefully. Oh, oh that's okay. Yeah. Uh, totally. Like dogs and, and water hoses mm-hmm. and beaten with nightsticks and billy clubs. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, but who was doing that? Police officers. Yeah. And, um, you know, we weren't allowed to be police officers at one point in time. And, um, you know, you had people that would be members of the Ku Klux Klan um, during the night and then during the day, they're, you know, the sheriff you know, of whatever town or city. So um, that history and that that's where a lot of the distrust and yeah. between the communities just has kind of like brewed and, and developed from like yeah. out of that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's for sure. And once again, that's not a matter of opinion. Like that's, right. that's a fact, you know, um, well-documented, well-documented facts and, and research and, and um, do your due diligence there. But yeah, that was just kind of the origin of, of where that comes from. It mm-hmm. was to keep um, black folks in order and to terrorize, you know, black yeah. folks too. Cause I mean, when you think of the war on drugs, um, you know, in the eighties, you know, um, a lot of the drugs were sent to, you know, the low level communities, which, you know, black and brown people, yep. uh, inhabited. And yep. then, you know, police began to heavily patrol and, um, yeah, terrorize those communities, which, you know, led to the birth of, you know, the black Panthers in mm-hmm. Oakland, California, mm-hmm. and, um, during that time. So, um, you know, the sixties and seventies and eighties and, um, you know, so just all of these things, man, just, just have been going on forever. And, uh, we have to acknowledge history and talk about history. We can't divorce today from, you know, what's happened for 400 years. Yes, absolutely. And I, and I think I heard in, uh, an example used recently talking about systemic racism that I thought put it very well, that helped me understand why this is such a big deal and why you can't just snap your fingers and be done with it mm-hmm. is it's the idea that that yes today we all have the same quote unquote rights 
but for 400 years there was a race going and black people were not allowed to start that race right and and then when 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 the slaves were set free when 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 uh, the civil rights movement in the 60s happened yeah sure you guys can start the race now but but you're you're starting at a disadvantage you're starting from 400 years behind the rest of America and so it's not a fair race that you're running and and therein lies I think the problem of systemic racism is it's not a fair shot and and if we don't acknowledge that then we'll never be able to to move forward from it because we'll always just be like well, you guys have same access to the same jobs same access same education which is just not true and yeah dr king says something important um <laughs> you know in his his last interview before one of his last interviews you know before he was assassinated yeah um you know he said black people are the only people that have been enslaved here on american soil and another thing like we're the only people that our skin color was made of stigma so um, you, t- you take that into an account and, you know, when it comes to white privilege and things like that, because uh, our skin color has been made a stigma that yeah. everything that I do on a day to day basis, I have to take my skin into account of how it's going to be perceived, right. how I need to react um, in certain scenarios. I know I can't respond or react in certain ways because yeah. it's going to be taken a certain way. Um, I know there are certain things that I question sometimes the things that I say, the things that I wear. Um, in various scenarios and places, you know, how, how black can I be um, <laughs> yeah. in this space or in this moment yeah. without being labeled as something or out being ostracized or looked at a certain way. Um, so all those things are, are, are important, you know. Um, it's always something that I'm thinking through. Yeah, man. And, and I don't know if a lot of people know that, but, you know, it's That's my whole life. That's just yeah. kind of been the reality of my yeah. whole life. You know, can I say this? Can I do this? If I say and do this, then what are going to be the consequences of yep. that? So. Yeah, bro, and and uh, I mean I appreciate because bringing up uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Man, because also in that same interview, uh, he he talked about the pull your your own self up by your own bootstraps philosophy, and uh, he, he talked about how black folks weren't even given a boot. Mm-hmm. Yes, so it's, it's yeah. cruel to tell a bootless man to pull himself up by his bootstraps. Right, was the exact yeah quote. right, yeah. dude. What a great quote. Yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah, man. Okay, so we can we can acknowledge the fact that this is real. Mm-hmm. That this is where we're at in our society and culture, um, and we've got a ton of momentum going right now in this fight. So then, us as Christians, as believers, man, where do we go? What do we do? What are some practical ways that we can continue to engage this topic for the long haul? And I know we've we've talked a little bit about it. Some of the practical things like going and finding somebody who doesn't look like you and, and, and mm-hmm. start that conversation, begin to build that, that relationship. Um, what, like, and, and if, if that's, if that's all we, like, if that's where we want to like leave it, that's cool. But I'm, I'm just, I'm curious on like y'all's thoughts on, on what can we do? Yeah. Be, I think even be uh, a step before we get to dialoguing about that, which there's some, there's some other practical sure. things. Yeah. I want to make sure that, we understand that as Christians, we should be on the front lines of, of, you know, dealing with these scenarios, right? Because God has given us hope, graciously given us hope. And so yeah, we good. want to walk out in that hope um, within the dark world and, and the problems that are having, right? And so, um, you know, Paul in Second Corinthians chapter 5 
um, is building a case for us being ministers of reconciliation, yep. right? Yeah. And so one of the things that, that I love is um, in verse 14, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, Paul says, for the love of Christ controls us um, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might not longer, but might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. But the most important part there is, in my mind, is for the love of Christ controls us, for the love of Christ compels us. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, I hear a lot of talk about how, hey, we probably shouldn't really be so in, involved and you know activism and you know yes. speaking out against these yeah. things um we should just preach the gospel yes and and i love that at face value it sounds really good but it's a both and because the gospel is not passive mm. the gospel is active very active so when paul says for the love of christ compels us yeah um that it means the love of Christ moves us to do something. Yes. It moves us to be um, actual hands and feet, the hands and feet of Jesus, right? Yes. And so, man, I think that's important for um, my brothers and sisters that are listening to this podcast. I think it's important for you to hold on to is, uh, yes, the gospel is primary in this, um, but it all, the gospel isn't passive. Um, we have to... We have to be involved. I mean, it's the same way with abortion, man. Like, man, I hate that that is an injustice done um, to our unborn image bearers, right? And so um, what do we do, man? We we take action and we speak against, we speak out against, um, you know, abortion. Mm -hmm. And so we need to have that same energy with lives outside the womb, right? And so that's what I'm saying, man. This is so crucial uh, we, we just got to, yeah, we got to be about that action. So. Oh, absolutely. And and you cannot divorce this idea of the gospel to action. Right. You, you cannot. There's no one who's making the argument that you can just think about the gospel. Yeah. You right. can just talk about the gospel. No, the gospel is something you have to 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 adopt as a way of life. Yeah. And and you you find this all throughout Scripture. The you you cannot read the New Testament and and think that you you cannot then go in and do a faith without works is dead. Yes, mm -hmm. you can't not do the works. And, and in fact, um, I, I saw this quote from Beth Moore on Twitter, which uh, <laughs> surprises to no one. Like it's another tweet that I that I saw, but. Um, Beth, she sums this up really, really well. I thought this was amazing. She said, the, the current state of American evangelicalism is what we get when the gospel is reduced to an entrance exam instead of a whole way of living, serving, loving, and self-giving. Hmm. The point of discipleship and Bible study is to grow in relationship with Christ and in resemblance to Christ. You can't just grow in relationship to Christ. You you have to grow in your re resemblance of Christ. That's Romans 8, is that you're being conformed into the image of Jesus. Mm -hmm. You're not just taking on the, the likeness of him, but you're, you are being conformed into Jesus as your actions as well. And and man, what a what a great way to to be able to articulate what we're seeing in America right now where the gospel has been reduced to an entrance exam. Oh. Yeah. 
when when it is an entrance entrance exam, then yeah, now that you've got the gospel, all right, you're good, hmm. you're cool, no big deal. And 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 I think that yes, you cannot you cannot divorce the gospel to action. Yeah. And so I think I, that's great, Coleman. Thank you for bringing that up because uh, you we've got to be able to to also see that that being a Christian is a way of life, and we cannot we cannot uh, simply talk about these things but we have to be able to do these things so jay i don't know if you have any thoughts on just practical things yeah um i think uh once again you know i'm not here to give give you a laundry list of things to do sure um but you know i think it comes first with just heart check Mm -hmm. um being teachable um being willing to uh just reflect there um I, i like to think of it like this so um as a man yes i may not be um, overtly out here um, terrorizing or disrespecting or assaulting women. Yeah. Um, but I still have a responsibility as a man to check my heart. Absolutely. Um, and how I interact with women, how I think of women mm-hmm. um, and, and in various ways, you know, um, because they have the Imago Dei and I should be looking at them through through the yes. image of Christ. Yes. Um, period. Right. Um, so therefore, I have that responsibility to mm. not only check myself, but also um, check my fellow man yeah. when I see that they're they're doing yes. um, or acting in ways that that opposes to um, who God has made all of us mm-hmm. um, in His image. Yeah, and um, I think the same applies here with the issue and topic of ethnic conciliation. Um, yeah, you may not be a slave master, you may not be a clan me- member or anything like that, but check your heart. Um, yeah. and then um, what does it look like for you to call out your fellow fellow man when you see these things being carried out? Um, whether I'm here, whether I'm around or not, whether a black person yeah. or a Hispanic person is around or not, Absolutely. like, are you willing to step in the gap and, and call out your friend, um, call out your family member, Absolutely. Um, advocate and, and, you know, put some skin in the game there um, when it needs to be? Um, because like you said, like anything that goes unchecked just festers. Mm-hmm. And it's got to be done in love too, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. like in the same way that, that we have to destigmatize confessing racism, we also need to confront racism in love as well. Mm-hmm. It, it's not as though um, racism is no big deal and we yep. can't just go around and be like, oh, everybody's got racism in their heart and so yeah. it's, it's fine. But you, you've got to, to recognize that it is a sin and just like any other sin, when you see it, just like the example you're using about like treating women well, mm-hmm. If your brother or sister or whomever in your life is mistreating women, then you have the responsibility to step in and say, hey, in, in love, like that's not that's not the way that Jesus loves that that person. And that's not the way that yeah. Jesus loves you. Yeah. And so you get to, to engage and enter into that conversation with them uh, in, a, in a loving manner, mm-hmm. seeking to restore them, not tear them down, not label them as a racist, not yep. ostracize and outcast them, but rather, man, let's 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 restore them in unity. Yeah. We need confession, um, because uh, we need confession to lead to repentance. Absolutely. And, you know, I think those conversations are necessary. Um but yeah, um just having those conversations, you know, uh education um is you know is important, you know, just read, research. Are there any good uh, books or documentaries or, or anything that, that you would recommend people read or watch? Yeah, I mean, there's a ton. Uh, I'm Still Here, Austin Channing Brown, uh, Why Are All the Black Kids Sitting Together in the Cafeteria? 
uh, is a really, really good read. It unpacks a lot of like questions. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why the title is a question. Why yeah. all the black kids sitting together in the cafeteria? Yeah. Um, and not only does it talk about you know just everything from you know history to politics to um, family structure and all these things, it also gives good practicalities there too. Um, some good documentaries. Uh, man, there's there's tons. Um, there's uh, Malcolm X documentary that's on Amazon Prime. Actually, for those that don't know, like I think every black documentary and movie is free on Amazon Prime right now. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Netflix has created a section. Yeah, I saw that. Um, there's a ton, man. Um, some stuff about Mississippi. You know, Prom Night in Mississippi is a good one. Um, the Untold Story of Emmett Till is a good mm-hmm. documentary mm-hmm. Um, for people to watch. Um, yeah, so there's tons of resources out there, man, for, for, for people to utilize uh, that I think will be helpful. White Fragility is a good one. Okay. Um, so, and even, you know, as it pertains to law enforcement, there's a good book called The Black and the Blue, mm. um, and it details just kind of the life and tenure of, of a black police officer. Yeah. Uh, for, he was an officer for 30 years, and just kind of both sides of the coin there. Yeah. Just him, him being black and being a black officer, so... Um, all those are just some good sources, man. Sure. Um, I'm Not Your Negro by James Baldwin Wow, um, is a good one. So um, there's a lot. I mean, yeah. like we could sit here all day and, yeah. and talk about <laughs> Yes, uh, yes. Resources. If that's not <laughs> enough resources for you, then <laughs> let, let Jay know. He, he will send you more. Uh, and, and just as a point of clarification, it's probably too little too late, but I, I do want to just acknowledge the fact that we are not saying that all police officers are terrible people. Nope. We're not saying that their lives don't matter. Nope. We are simply saying that the way that it, the way that the police force has gone unchecked for so long has led to a moment in our society where police brutality is a real problem. And this isn't a, a conversation to make uh, you know white people feel guilty for right. being white either. I mean, right. the same way that you know me as a black man was made in the Imago day. So yes. were you, Yes. you know, um, as a white man. So, yeah. um, this isn't, this shouldn't be something that should, should guilt you, mm-hmm. um, or drive you to a, this place of, of resentment of any sort. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, as we, as we mentioned before, you know, it's good to, it's important that we, we acknowledge these things, yeah. you know, in love and in truth and in gentleness. Yes. Um, so that we can have these conversations and get to a place of repentance. Yes. Absolutely. You, you can't, you, you can't, reach repentance without you know confession yes you know so yeah um, yeah i think that's important i saw um i saw a a black pastor friend uh from south dallas um i don't know if you're familiar davidian valentine mm-hmm. yeah i saw him post uh this on facebook uh a couple weeks ago and it was just it was really really enlightening to me because right now there's uh the one of the huge chants in protest is no justice no peace yeah. right uh, and, and he posted on Facebook, uh, no, as in K-N-O-W, no Jesus, mm. K-N-O-W, no peace. Mm. But then N-O Jesus, no Jesus, mm. no peace. And I just thought that was so good when we're talking about this conversation where it's not, it's not that we, we've got to get to this place as a society where we value lives. No, no, no. We, what we're trying to do is we're trying to lead people to Jesus. And yep. We want people to know Jesus because when you know Jesus, you know peace. Hmm. But but if you do not know Jesus, then you will not know peace. No. And we will not have peace until we know Jesus, the That's founder, right. the author of our peace. That's right. 
And so, guys, that's our hope in this conversation. That's what we're wanting to do is facilitate uh, these these types of dialogues to allow for you to look inside, but then also to hopefully encourage you to go and have more of these conversations with people in your life. I, I, I think some of the times, especially in my own life, I get overwhelmed by this by this burden of the issue is so big. What could I as an individual do to ever change it? And I, I think if we are if we are occupying ourselves with that huge burden, then we will never do anything individually. When I think really our responsibility in this is to just look at our sphere of influence around us, look at those people that God has placed in our lives, and that's that's our responsibility. Yeah. It's not I'm going to go out and change the laws in America necessarily, mm-hmm. even though there might be some person out there who's a senator, and yeah, you could help with that. Yeah, That'd or be great. even just like I mean. Um, to bring it down to, to ground level, like, I mean, where you work, you know, yes. like, is that your sphere of influence? Like, uh, are you willing to invest something? Yeah. Um, you know, if you see a lack of diversity in, in your place of work, you yeah. know, what does that look like to have a conversation with, yeah. you know, your boss or your manager or whomever, you know, right. to see um, some efforts there um, to get uh, more more diverse faces, mm-hmm. you know, there. Um, so I think that's a practical thing, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's bringing that awareness in your your spheres of influence mm-hmm. where God has placed you it's having those conversations with your friends and family with your coworkers that i view as the the first step in our responsibility yeah, that's not to say that it doesn't go more than that but that that's where we start as yeah, where's your mission field mm-hmm. like yeah. where you live where you work that's your mission field for sure yep. for sure Jay, man, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast with us. It's been a joy, a pleasure. Coleman, thank you for joining us again on the podcast. Yes, it sir. Is, it has been, uh, this has been a great conversation. I'm really, really grateful for you both. Uh, you guys are always welcome. Anytime you want to you wanna hop on a podcast, you let me know. We'll make it happen. <laughs> no. Appreciate you having me, man. Of course, of course. And uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, if you have any thoughts, any follow-up, any feedback, any further questions, and you, you want to continue this conversation with any of us, man, hit, hit us up on Instagram. That's uh, Paradox College on Instagram. Uh, you can email me, Caleb, at theparadoxchurch.com. Uh, and I'd be happy to continue the conversation with you. I'd be happy to direct you to, to Coleman or Jay and uh, let, let you pick their brain as well. Uh, but guys, thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you again soon. Deuces. <laughs> <laughs>